Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salami. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. Happy to have at my virtual side Steve Krupa. Hey, Steve. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. It's it's the day after Halloween, so we could small talk about Halloween, but we kind of did that before we plugged in. And, and of course, tonight is Game 7 of the World Series, so by the time this plays, we'll know who won. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your prediction? Who do you think? I am going to go with the Astros. Yeah, I, me too. Me too. Which is probably not what Vegas thinks. You know, usually the home team wins Game 7, right? I think the Astros are a team of destiny. Right. We'll see. <laughs> but let's get into this conversation with Jack Barrett. He's the CEO and founder of WeGo Health, which is a, a, a different type of health company uh, that's dealing with uh, kind of with marketing and, and, and finding influencers. What can you yeah. tell us about WeGo? Well, I think it's the it is it is one company that demonstrates the change in, in marketing that takes place uh, with the web and with the ability to actually reach out and find people. Uh, so. When we were doing uh, pharmaceutical and medical marketing, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, it was more or less people, you know, go, going out with a brand, going out with a value proposition of their own, and stating what it is. Modern day of mar- modern day marketing is brands associating themselves with influencers mm-hmm. and valuable information for patients, and uh, that's what WeGo Health facilitates. Uh, they they. Uh, go out and curate and credential a network of influencers and make them available uh, to the brands provided that the messaging meets sort of um, the position of the influencers. And it's kind of interesting. It's an interesting idea. Does this work? I guess this works with all ages. I know in the, in the conversation you sort of referenced your, your girls and their, their uh, belief that the internet has always been there. And certainly, uh, you know, my sons are the same, you know, I have to ask Siri whenever I don't know. If the sky is blue, but do you, do yeah. you think, uh, or how the, why the sky is blue? Do you think this is something that resonates with with patients of every age, or is this a, a younger demographic thing? Well, I th- I think that it is probably a given for the younger demographic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so an example would be, you know, when this when the current generation starts to have families, I'm sure around maternity issues, these, these types of influences will have a, have a big effect. But it also for people that, you know, obtain chronic illnesses throughout their lives and, and are, you know, sort of web savvy and participate in the social media world, uh, of which, you know, that, that, that's growing. I mean, the, the average age on Facebook is getting older. Um, and, and, and when you start to, you know, interface with, you know, social media, the way that you sort of digest and understand information changes quite a bit. And this is one, one aspect. And these influencers propose to be legit. Like it's not like they've been bought. It's as though they have this point of view as to how you might best treat diabetes or best go through a pregnancy or, or deal with, uh, you know, any other, you know, cancer treatments and so on. And, um, the, the, they're there for, uh, the brands mostly pharmaceutical brands, as we'll find out from the interview, to associate themselves with if the message and the brand align. And it's kind of interesting. 
Can't wait. A little bit see. like Oprah, but 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 more more with more like real person cred. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I can't wait to have a, a panel of YouTube sensations up at a future ah. digital healthcare innovation summit. Well, he he says that his influencers are very dispersed, so none of them have sort of like bubbled to the top to be heroes mm-hmm. in any particular sort of area, and and that's kind of interesting in and of itself, right? That, that it takes more than one to sort of make a point. And I think that's what you're seeing. He uses the example, and I, I do use this at times, of, of an Amazon review, right? If you see a very dis- highly dispersed group of people rating a product highly in their verified purchases, if you will, uh, it has an influence on, your, on what you're going to buy. And I think that some of that stuff applies uh, to all services and products, and it looks like healthcare as well. Excellent. Well, let's get into this conversation with Jack Barrett of WeGo Health. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with uh, Jack Barrett from WeGo Health. Welcome to the podcast, Jack. Oh, welcome, Steve. Good, good, good to meet you. Yeah. Um, so everybody has a story as to how they became a healthcare entrepreneur. Um, you know, I know I didn't come into healthcare, didn't graduate college or anything with the intention of getting into healthcare, and I sort of ended up there. How, how did you end up in healthcare, and and how how long did it take for for you to sort of go on this, to to begin this journey of starting your own company from uh, from I guess you were at Yahoo before, right? Yeah, I was at Yahoo before we go house. Yeah, I, I well, I got into healthcare. I really did get into healthcare before I was out of college. I went to Tufts, did some PR work as an intern for Tufts University for their medical center, of course, in Boston, uh-huh. and and became enamored with what was then the very emergent science of marketing healthcare. It was, you know, that was back in the day when for a doctor to market his or her services or for a tertiary medical center to say, we're the best heart center or aging care center in the case of, of Tufts was was almost unseemly. So I liked that. And so I dove in and and wow. um, a career in, in, in agency public relations that actually ended up um, forming my own um, one of the first interactive healthcare companies. So even you know, video discs and laptop-based programs pre-internet um, kind of saw the internet come and, and jumped on it as, and sold that company eventually to Omnicom in 1999. Not the greatest time to join a company with the intention of going public. We went um, at the Omnicom company called Agency.com, went public, went uh, you know went up one side of the roller coaster, down the other during a mm-hmm. lockup, went through that whole thing. Hence, I'm not on an island right now. I'm actually just in my home office. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but fast forward the you know the the entrepreneurial the so I did start an agency sold that so I've always loved the idea of building companies around uh, what's new and and is is the change happening in healthcare because healthcare certainly needs changing at all points. But um, as you said, I I did spend a, a five year stint at Yahoo running health there at the at the turn of the century this century and was. Uh, was right. excited at that point to say, well, how do we, how does the largest website in the world at that time catch WebMD, right? We were number eight in the healthcare space. WebMD was number two. That didn't seem right to us since we were the number one website on the planet. So we did catch right up behind Web, WebMD number two by the time I left. But what I got more excited about and the reason I left Yahoo was because I had discovered this group we call patient leaders now at WeGo Health, who were the you know, they were on Yahoo groups, and there were thousands of people leading groups of thousands of other people talking about depression or heart disease or diet or fitness, whatever it was, just organically because they wanted to connect with each other. These 
these leaders wanted to help other people understand their health journey more effectively. And there was no pay. There was no motivation beyond, I, I, I enjoy helping other people. I want to help other people for a reason that's, that's inside me. Very often because I have a chronic disease or I care for someone who does, I want to get involved and, and help this whole community. So by, when I discovered them on Yahoo Groups and Yahoo Answers and all the other, what were not yet called social media properties of Yahoo, I recognized that this, you know, this was the, the nucleus of patient-powered healthcare change. So I, I built a company around them that I was lucky enough to get venture funded in 2007, almost exactly 10 years ago now. Nice. You know, it's, yeah. it's, so, it's so funny, right? I mean, I've got kids and they just think the internet's always been there, you know? They, they just like the digital natives, right? I love, I love. I have a five-year-old, and she always says to me, uh, "Well, we could be walking uh, down, you know, because I live in New York." And uh, she'll say, "I don't want to walk anymore, Dad. Why don't we just call an Uber?" You know, and it, it's, <laughs> and it just, it sometimes it just, you know, stuns me. Um, they'll, they'll, they'll give us directives to my wife and I to look things up, you know, on our quote phone. And uh, right. and they don't know what a phone is, and and sometimes you just got to really put it into context that so many of these things are are very new, and they've already sort of embedded themselves into our lives in such a mm-hmm. permanent, almost as if they've always been there, kind of a way. But I want to go back for just a quick second because I I, I remember the eighties, you know. Uh huh. Sure. And um, you know the first first health insurance product that I got in 1987 when I graduated college was an indemnity insurance product. Right. Mm-hmm. And you were sort of on your own. Um, what was it? What was it? What was advertising and promoting healthcare all about back then? Like what was the context of it? Was it quality driven? Was it uh, patient service driven? Like what were the catch points for people when they think about what they wanted from healthcare? And what you would try to advertise and market to? Good, great question. I, I, you know, and I was thinking about it as you were as you were laying out some examples. I, I would have to say that it it became, you know, reputation and credential driven, right? It was like who is the most recognized, the top. And this is really before U.S. News and World Report did a lot of their, you know, top 100 list and that sort of thing. So there was a, you know, this was the establishment of the of the tertiary referral center was was still new and that's what I found exciting. I said, you know, Tufts staked out some ground in the research Nutri- center on nutrition and aging, which was a, you know, ahead of its time and, and looking at the aging not necessarily as just something that happens, but as a, as either a disease or or a condition that we can treat and address. So um, establishing that you know, if if you're dealing with a complex gerontology issue, you refer to Tufts at that time at that, or to that particular center and. Of course, you know, now we have MD Anderson as, as the and, and cancer, and you've got Mayo and Cleveland. So that that model, I think of you know, this is we we are the the aggregation of the greatest experts in X area was was really just was nascent, and it was it was a fun time. Mm. Yeah, I know. Like in New York, NYP is very active in terms of advertising on television. Uh, New York Presbyterian, and I and I <clears throat> whenever I see those ads, I say to myself, "Wow, they really are awesome." You know, they're really awesome. <laughs> And of course, yeah. Tufts, yeah. Tufts Health Plan and Tufts Medical Centers has benefited from, a, mm-hmm. from having a very good reputation that has not left it even to this day. Um, That's true. That's true. Yeah. But the world has changed, right? So we, the power has been moved away from these these elite institutions at some level. Uh, is it to say, you know, I, I went to med school at Harvard and I, I'm at Wow Cornell or NYU or health health <clears throat> health partners, partners healthcare. 
or mm-hmm. like that. And, and, and it's like the patients have a, a lot of power today if they, if they, right. if they choose to exercise it. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. that's good and sometimes that's bad, right? Because they're buying on right. different sort of variables. Like if I was dying, mm-hmm. I'd want to buy on the variable of, uh, of who can save my life. Mm-hmm. If I was trying to get an appointment because I had a cold, I'd want to. I'd want somebody with good bedside manner that would listen to me and give me a good checkup, right? So, right, right. What is this this the state of 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 this advocacy? These advocacy groups that you see you're seeing out there. What are, what are the, what's their mm-hmm. sort of objective as they begin to form and 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 uh, and, and throw their power around? Well, it it, it is interesting. It 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 becomes a curation of the crowd's opinion into something that it has more veracity and validity, right? That That's what we're seeing as the emerging role of community leaders, what we call patient leaders. So our, our network, over 100,000 patient leaders now that we've you know, been able to meet and, and embrace over the last 10 years, um, we have folks who are, who are advocates who are you know just out trying to help everyone else to understand, become aware of a cause or or meet other people who may be involved with a disease so they can learn more from each other. Um, then you have influencers who I think is where we start to get more into the, how our consumer shaping opinion now, which is they're saying, well, here's, here's what you look for you know, in your oncologist because oncologists you know, ought to be collaborating with you, for example. So one of the things you'll see patients starting to choose decisions on is are they actually listening to me and, and working with me versus just telling me what to do? And that expectation that participation is, is new and I think not coincidentally driven by things like social media where you know, one expects a two-way conversation with everyone. That wasn't always true. Even your doctor could just walk in, talk at you, and then walk back out. That's, that's no longer acceptable to the informed, empowered patients. So they, they do expect that you're going to have a, a great degree and know what you're doing, but also that you're going to help them to be a part of, what their, of their care. And that, that choice criteria is something that we see really emerging as critical for the patient community. Interesting. So at WeGo, are you, are you leveraging, you know, there's a TV show now, The Wisdom of Crowds, right? But that was a pretty good book. Somebody wrote that book a while back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a good book. Now we've got the guy who was on Entourage playing a character. I haven't seen the show, but I hear the ads all the time when I'm traveling. Uh-huh. But there is this, there is sort of like this accepted notion that you can throw a problem out there for the crowd. And, and they used to be, you know, we used, in business school, we'd say, well, they do a good job of pricing stocks, right? All the knowledge, <laughs> right. everything's in the stock price. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is wisdom of crowds a valid idea? Is that is that what you're counting on at, at WeGo Health, or is it more than that? It, it's certainly a, an important part of the equation, right? It's like when you go to Amazon and you look at a product, you, you you do look at the reviews, right? And if there's a lot of reviews, that makes you feel like the okay, already the product's more credible. And if you and what's interesting is if you can read the reviews and find some that are not so good and some that are good, you're saying, well, I actually trust that this product is real. If they're all glowing, then you you, you might think they're fake or made up. And the, that's where you start to see that the value of, of large-scale participation of the crowd to give you as the, as the buyer, the user, a chance to really evaluate the, the crowd's opinion and put it up against some of the more objective or, or professional presentations of this is, you know, here's the checkboxes that the, this organization has as credential now, what, what has the, the human experience been with it? And it's adding a really valuable component to it. What, what we're finding that our, we, we, again, we specialize in working with the leaders of communities. So our average member leads about 15,000 people a month or 
communicates with them through you know, various social channels, online and offline, support groups, all that kind of thing. So they're they're clearly able to see a big landscape, and and they do help the folks in their community to say, look, this is a source you can trust of information for about which doctor to choose or which which care is helpful, or here's my observation of what people are seeing, here's some and here's some clinical journal articles you can read to go along with the wisdom of the crowd. So I, I think what's important is that responsible patient leaders are proposing to replace everything else in the credentialing space with their own consumer opinions, but to, but to match it up with it and say these two together really should give you a much clearer picture. Hey everyone, Tom here. Excuse this interruption, but I do have an announcement. Congratulations to Flatiron Health, the winner of this year's Digital Health Innovation Award. Flatiron was picked by our Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit Advisory Board as the most innovative digital health company of the year. It's, of course, a leader in precision medicine, and we're proud to have them up on our stage. We're going to be joined by Amy Abernathy. She is the CMO and CSO of the company, and she'll be interviewed on stage by Brandon Hull of Cardinal Partners founding chair of the Digital Health Innovation Summit. So, if anyone has seen one of our uh, award presentations before, it's pretty cool, pretty fun, and you should be there. So go to healthag.com, that's the word health, followed by the letters egy.com, and register to see this presentation. And don't forget, use the BeHealth code to save yourself a little money. Now let's get back into this conversation. So... So let's talk a little bit about the business then. How, 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 how did you get the business organized? Did you go out and seek um, these leaders? Did they come to you? Um, are you constantly trying to sort of credential them, right? It sounds like you're, you're sort of wanting only mm-hmm. a certain type of person to be on your site that can, that can then add mm-hmm. value to the experience of understanding a health, understanding how patients not only uh, obtain healthcare, but manage their way through the healthcare um, sure. situation. So how does, that, how does it all work? Well, it, it, it's a really good question. We, we definitely looked at, at differentiating what WeGo Health does by saying, let us focus on the leaders. There's, there's lots of deep patient communities, patients like me, Inspire, where regular patients can talk to other regular patients about whatever they want. And there's usually a leader or two who moderates and makes sure that it's a responsible conversation. People aren't swearing at each other. Um, our job is to is to amass all the leaders of those other conversations, put them together, and make them more effective leaders, because we think that leadership group has the most power as an as an aggregate to to affect change. And, and to your point, but what we did at first ten years ago was was decide, you know, how does one determine who's a leader and who's not? And, and we are we are still uh, effectively the the dynamic vetting source for who are the top leaders in the patient space, because there's not a Clearly set of, a clear set of rules, but we've now built a lot of um, technology with our own and other people's money to um, to find folks who are you know, first reaching a lot of folks, and then the first, and then and then also saying, okay, who are the people they're not just reaching, but then connecting and responding, interacting most most regularly with folks, and even things as simple as the context. If if someone is said to be a diabetes influencer, you know, many of the influencer tracking tools will tell you that's Oprah. Well, Oprah isn't a diabetes influencer. She tweeted about it twice, and she reaches 10 billion people. So that tool thinks she's an influencer, but she's not. Who's an influencer is Manny Hernandez or someone who is or, – or Carrie Sparling who who posts and tweets about diabetes type 1 every day or you know, 50 or more percent of the time. That's what they're talking about is that topic. So making sure that we're, we're finding people who are not just um, saying that they're expert or looking expert but really are 
embraced and, and engaged in the Bayesian community on a regular basis. And, you know, and then we, we've brought these people together in a membership organization. I think a good analogy is what professional associations do for physicians, right? When, when neurosurgeons get together, they talk about how to become more effective surgeons. They learn from those who are best at the newest procedure. They meet the companies that are involved. They, they grow their craft as surgeons, and then they go back to their practice with all of their patients. That's what we try to do with our members is bring them together as patient leaders. We talk about things like how do you handle death in your community? Should you bother with Instagram? <laughs> What's going on with FTC regulation and disclosure for influencer marketing is that apply to what you're doing with that pharmaceutical company. So helping them to be more effective as leaders is really our, our mission and our membership promise. And that allows us to constantly gather a lot more information about people that helps us to, to continue to vet them as leaders. So take, take me through a, a use case in terms of how one, one might use your services. Just maybe sure. a, a diabetic would use your services or someone that's uh, going through cancer treatment. Is that, is that the way it would work? Well, the, the, what, what we're really doing is, is not so much appealing to the, the individual consumer to say, come to WeGo Health. It's, it's to find the leader of, of you know, various diabetic communities. And, and I know that our diabetes leader group is, over, is thousands. So we don't have the millions of members of their community. We have the thousands of leaders of those communities all in one place. So, you know, our, the way we impact healthcare with patient communities is to take take the leaders, make them available to the healthcare world, the healthcare companies, effectively for insights, advisory boards, market research, so that they're getting a patient opinion leader perspective on what they're doing and driving a far more articulate and we feel informed patient voice into healthcare. That that advisory and insight capacity alone is helping to get folks you know, much further ahead, much faster when they're designing anything from a new health app for digital health to um, a new insurance product. When they're talking about patients, they have people who can describe whole groups of them and segments and how they might react or respond um, to, to a product or service. And yeah, so the other part of what we do is go ahead. No, no, go ahead, please. So if, that, if, if half of it is just wild simplify is, is advisory and market research, the other half is, activation and, and, and education. So how do we activate the communities that now sit under our members to, to learn about and know about what's happening? So that's, you know, it's often described as influencer marketing. It's not, you know, typical pay a blogger for you know, 10 bucks and they'll write a blog post about your shampoo. It's more sophisticated model, but designed to put good education created with our members into the, into the world, but on behalf of sponsors, that's how we very that's how we pay the bills, but it's also how we distribute information that's not sponsored. Gotcha. So are, are most of your sponsors health plans, pharmaceutical companies, these types of com- consumer, uh, over-the-counter uh, uh, company, drug companies? Who, who, who are you working with on the sponsorship side? Historically, it's been pharmaceutical companies who have, you know, have needed a lot and needed a third party to help them to navigate the patient community universe, right? They, they don't want to just wade in and start whacking away at uh, you know, selling to the patient community, they want to embrace and engage, learn, and be careful about how they do that. So uh, that's that's been the majority of our sponsor work has been for the pharmaceutical firms. Um, but that's that's recently changed a lot. We launched a new platform called WeGo Health Experts that makes it easier for virtually any company to hire our vetted patient leader members as freelancers. So if you wanted to build an app in Gaucher's disease, true case by the way. And you needed 10 or 12 people to advise you on that very rare disease and what the app would do to help those people manage it. You could, you could bring on one of the leaders to, to recruit an advisory board and manage an advisory board for you 
as a direct freelance engagement. So part of the reason it's taking some friction out of that, making it easier for smaller companies and innovators to work with our folks just as well as the, you know, the top five life science companies that we work with. That's, that's very cool. So how do we, how, how does it, how do one of your clients sort of measure how they're, how they're doing? So have you actually in, in your network created people that have sort of become the preferred speakers for certain things or the preferred influencer for certain disease states or populations of, of patients, almost like celebrities or how, how does, how has it worked out? Well, it, it's, it's a, that's a really interesting question because it, that's changed a lot in the 10 years we've been doing this, as you'd expect, right? When we first started doing this, it was all about, you know, hey, there's this thing called patient influencers. You should work with them, and here's five that you should know. And, and the company's like, wow, that's interesting. And, you know, I guess that makes sense. It, it, it's true. There's cool hunters in fashion. There ought to be patient influencers in, in health because they're even more passionate about it. Um, but if you fast – so. That was the original part of it was kind of a small number of influencers being introduced and and becoming and sometimes spokespeople. More often, they were creating content rather than you know, than contracting with a company to become their spokesperson because that that objectivity is something that's so important to the to patient leaders. They don't really want to be welded to one company. Um, but if you fast forward, the the space has gotten very crowded. Right, the the adoption of, of Facebook alone has has dominated everyone's lives. In fact, essentially, Facebook is the internet in many cases. And, and health is no exception there. So the, there are now you know, thousands of leaders and, and tens of millions of consumers talking on social media about any given product sometimes. So you know, finding a way that you embrace a larger group of, of leaders and, and activate that much larger audience is, is different than you know, one or two people who can provide advice or kind of be a part of your team. So that's what we try to do is say, well, if, if it's easy to hit Google and find the top three people in diabetes, but to find the top 3,000 is not so easy. And those micro-influencers that are maybe just new to, the, new to the table or not interested in growing their audience as much as growing trust um, can have a bigger impact on what happens. Gotcha. So do you work directly with the companies? Do you work through the sort of marketing and advertising community? Do you, do you work how, – how does, how does your business sort of find its opportunities? Really, both for sure. We, you know, we we've been at this quite a while, so we we do know a lot of folks in the in the pharmaceutical and and in the direct to client space, if you want to describe it as that. So that that happens a lot. But um, another reason that we opened the the Wego Health Experts platform is is so any consultancy or agency can get direct access to our network without having us as consultants on top necessarily. Right? That in many cases, there you know, we've got big three consulting firms that are you know, now saying, well, we want to build a team of advisors and then build another, an ongoing distribution plan. And we'd like to you know, be able to find and vet these people through you, but we don't, we don't necessarily need your team to run the engagement because we do that for a living and we're 27 times your size. And, and we agree. So we want to make sure that connection gets made. So if anything, we're accelerating the number of agencies and consultancies that are working you know, with our networks through us. Yeah. So as, as this, so do you come up with the ideas? Are are the ideas for what the influencers are capable of, of uh, of uh, of helping a a company or or let's just say a an idea about how patients should treat themselves or how they how they can better care for themselves and how that relates to you know the branding of a company? Are, do you go to the companies with ideas? Do they come to you and say, create a program for me? I'm looking. I'm looking. How does how how does that interact? Well, there's there's a couple pieces of that. It's a good one. That, that... I mean, the, what I like to think of is that we, we do try to package this because it feels like a, you know, a wild west to most companies. Um, 
So we have, you know, two or three inside products. There's advisory board. There's a there's an online focus group style offering. There's a a mobile based qualitative uh, platform that lets them capture voice responses. So ways that they can kind of get their heads around how you interact with patient leaders that that feels um, frictionless or less or has less pain to it. Um, and a lot of that does involve vetting and recruiting the right people for those studies. So putting that all together package does make people's lives easier. Same with with social promotion or content creation. You know, here's what it takes to build a video that's with three patient leaders in it and who contribute to the content. Here's what it takes to distribute that through social media. Packaging that does help, and we try to keep the number of packages or products, if you will, to a dull roar because, again, there are so many you know, shiny objects in this space that keeping it clear is, is important. But I think the more interesting part that you that you alluded to is the alchemy of we bring the patient leaders who come to the conversation trusting We Go Health, we are their membership organization, to give prescriptive advice to the client company about you know what is the the, the space where my community benefits and your brand message gets delivered, and then that's the that's the hard part. And and we you, you, one can't force that, right? We can't say well. The community doesn't really want this, but it's really what the brand wants to say. The, the patient leader isn't going to say, well, okay, fine. I'll just do it either. And, and that's the hard part, but that's what we've taken pride in being able to do is, and, and we have yet to fail to find that common ground because there are always gaps. There are always needs. And what, what we found is that you know, even, you know, big, scary pharma, everyone says, look, there's dollars there. If they want to use those dollars to educate my community about a disease, not just their product, then I'm in and I'm happy to take advantage of that distribution path and channel to make it work for me. And, and so I, what we see ourselves is facilitating that conversation that gets us to, aha, this is the piece that we, the, this is the kumbaya moment where we, we both want the dosing conversation to be right because it's both dangerous if it's wrong and better for the company if people get it right because the efficacy of the drug is more effective, they'll stay on it longer, everyone's happy. Okay, let's, let's how do we tell the world about the importance of proper dosing? It's a bad example, but that kind of thing emerges from some in-depth conversation between members, patient leaders who trust us and the companies who, who now have the, the ability to be open about what their needs are in a, in a WeGo Health facilitated environment. So um, I see we're, we're, uh, we're coming up to our time limit, but I want to get a couple more questions. And the first one that I think of is when you started the business, obviously you, <clears throat> you, had, you had something in mind and it started to evolve. Was there a project that happened along the way uh, where you said, now there you have it. That's, that's what we are. That's what we do. And, and if there was, can you tell us about it? Do you follow my question? Yeah, I certainly do. Yeah. It, it, well, you're, it's one of those, what I call the hard left turn moments and being yeah. an entrepreneur, right? Where you're saying like, Oh yeah. Um, in, in the beginning of we go health, you know, with, with all good intention, um, our venture advisors and that we're, we're saying we need to go after the search space and the, kind of a scalable um, technology driven, you know, at that point, people powered search was very hot. I remember Mahalo and those guys who were doing kind of human curated search and, and it just it didn't quite resonate because it felt like we were turning our, our powerhouse kind of communicator members into, into research librarians <laughs> rather than using the effectiveness of their communication. So what, what, you know, what we did see was that it was the influencers themselves who were commenting on, we were choosing articles and saying, here's the top 10 things you should know about you know, type one diabetes, whatever it was. And, and those people powered searches were, were generating conversation among the leaders with each other. And you know, that, that ability to say, well, you know, what's, what's 
and, and therefore then, then sparking another follow on effect of having their followers join in. So I think that, that led us to say what we should be doing is giving people direct access to the leaders to, to beat up on any problem rather than trying to say what's, what's, what's attract as many consumers as we can to another health website. Let's find a way that where these guys can become available to industry. And we, we really built up you know, more of a consulting approach. And again, I, I think the, the good analogy is we said, let's, let's act more like a physician association would when the American Academy of Neurological Surgeons says, I, to use my earlier example, there's a conference, there's a journal, there's, there's direct meetings, there's focus groups, there's all kinds of things that organizations who want to want to engage the top neurosurgeons in the country can use to connect with that membership. And that's what releases the power of it. And we said that, that association style model really is going to serve us better than, a, than trying to redo search with bodies. Gotcha. And is there anything recently that, that, you know, either a program or an idea that has come from uh, your, your team that has sort of found its way to the front pages or into sort of popular culture or maybe as a, uh, as a common talk show subject uh, that's come out of, you know, some of your influencers? Interesting. I, I, I look at the where, where we've kind of intersected with big market trends and things that are that go beyond we go health are, are in the 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 we go health experts platform that I mentioned earlier, right? Which is the the change in, in of work, right? And and this is where I think it has been exciting for us to tag onto something much bigger than than just what we do. Um, that by 2020, depending on who you ask, 40 to 50 percent of the U.S. workforce will be freelance. That's not that and wow. that that directly impacts people with chronic illness and people who need to work on a freelance basis in order to manage a very serious illness because they simply can't have a typical job. And you know, we've been looking at this audience of 100,000 folks who have so much passion, power, and in very, very many cases, you know, five or 10 or 20,000 members have tremendous business expertise. You have you know, IDEO certified UX designers and, and PhD uh, biochemists who are saying, I would like to do meaningful work in healthcare, but I'm too sick to have a full-time job. Giving that that change in the way people work from the fact that you know the freelance economy is booming to then now you've got kind of Upwork and Fiverr and others which have made it easy for people to understand and even Uber, sorry to say it, who say, you know, I can hire someone to do what I need and what I need is on demand. And that that human capital side of it is what we're really excited about. And I think we we definitely have found ourselves, you know, being launched into conversations that are far bigger than than even healthcare to talk about how how do people work now and how is that different and because we have a unique audience that, that wants to work that way, isn't isn't just forced to work that way by a circumstance. Um, we're, we're, we think we're at the, at the cost of something really exciting. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining me. I, I really enjoyed uh, talking with you. Sort of the last thing is how do the listeners find out about you? I know you've got your, your website, but I'm imagining you've got some blogging and, maybe, I don't know, Twitter, anything. So give us uh, – the places where they can find out about you and, and, and get some of your content. Absolutely. Um, I'm, yes, you're right. The most simplest place to find us is wegohealth.com, W-E-G-O health.com. You can also access our on-demand WeGo Health experts platform from, from that main site. Um, our blog is there. Please subscribe to it. You can enter your email. You have We have a blog both for the patient leader community and for healthcare industry. You can subscribe to both if you're in either community. So we try to really do thought leadership on, on how the power of of patient leadership and now this new economy are are changing healthcare. So please do sign up for that. And if you want to check me out on, uh, I'm on Facebook more than anywhere else, but also I'm at Healthy Jack on Twitter. So feel free to follow me if you will. 
Terrific. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate the time. Thanks, Steve. It was fun. Appreciate it. And that is a wrap. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. Thank you, in particular, Jack Barrett, for all the work you're doing at WeGo Health. Best of luck going forward. Steve Krupa, what can I say? Another fine job leading this podcast. We appreciate your efforts. And, of course, our listeners, what can I say to you as well? We could use your help if you don't mind uh, doing a few things. Number one, subscribe to the podcast. That way we get to send this quality content directly to your listening device. Number two, shoot me an email, tom at healthedg.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters E-G-Y. Com. That's the best way to let us know how we're doing, who we should talk to, what we should talk about, or just say hello or ask any questions. We'd love to hear from you. Healthogy, by the way, is the producer of this fine podcast and the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. You can also give us a ranking on iTunes. That would be great. And uh, just tell your friends if they're uh, as interested in digital healthcare and healthcare innovation as much as you are, then why aren't they listening? Finally, don't forget to register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit happening on November 30th in Boston. You're going to want to uh, act on this quickly. We've got a couple of big announcements coming up over the next two weeks. And uh, we've sold out this event before and we're on pace to doing it again. So I'm not going to say when we're going to sell out, but we're going to sell out and you should be there. So go to healthag.com. Again, the word health followed by the letters egy.com register for the digital health innovation summit and while you're there here's a tip use the b health code save yourself some money that's it folks tune in next week for another tale of innovation on the breaking health podcast <laughs>